following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Paul and Silas bound in jail all night long. Paul and Silas bound in jail all night long. Paul and Silas bound in jail all night long, crying, Who shall deliver for me? The jailer came and he locked the gate all night long. Jailer came and he locked the gate all night long. The jailer came and he locked the gate. All night long, crying, who shall deliver for me? That old jail just reeled and rocked. All night long, that old jail just reeled and rocked. All night long, that old jail just reeled and rocked. All night long, crying, who shall deliver for me? Paul and Silas bound in jail. All night long, Paul and Silas bound in jail. All night long, Paul and Silas bound in jail. All night long, crying, who shall deliver for me? The Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. All night long, the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. All night long, the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. All night long crying, who shall deliver for me? Paul and Silas bound in jail, all night long. Paul and Silas bound in jail, all night long. Paul and Silas bound in jail, all night long crying, who shall deliver for me? Crying, who shall deliver? is your deliverer now in the present not sometime in the future right now Jesus can deliver you if you are willing to let him do so I received a text after the broadcast yesterday from one of our faithful listeners and this person said He is our deliverer. He saved me from lying, cheating, drugs, alcohol, insomnia, depression, selfishness, fornication, cursing, stealing. And he will continue to deliver us. This person's glorious testimony was that Jesus delivered me right now. That his power came. It was not this person's work. It was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the blood of Jesus, and it delivered now. Now, yesterday, I studied with you out of the book of Acts the story of Paul and Silas in that jail. And I received some interesting feedback after the broadcast one precious listener said wow that was great teaching thank you but another one said you made it so complicated 
It was hard to understand, Pastor. You used words that are just beyond the pale. I said, okay, that's it. I'm going to redo the broadcast from yesterday, but I'm going to do it in very simple terms because I don't want you to miss this. This is so vital for your salvation today. Let's get it down just as simple as it can be made. Now we have Paul and Silas. They've been sent to Macedonia. In Macedonia, Paul rebukes a woman filled with a demon spirit. She was a fortune teller. Now she can no longer make money for those who owned this slave. They're angry. They go to the magistrates. The magistrates get all worked up with the crowd. They strip the clothing off of Paul and Silas, and they beat them bloody with rods, almost killing them. They're put in prison. The jailer is warned, guard them with your life. So he puts them in the inner prison in stocks so their feet are in the stocks and they can't lay down because their back is bloody and bruised. And so they sing praises to God. They pray. Everyone is listening. The midnight hour comes. And the deliverance of the Lord comes. And I have to stop just a moment and ask you, what prison are you in today? Are you imprisoned? Are you stuck in fornication? Are you stuck in drugs? Are you stuck in bitterness and anger? Are you stuck somewhere in your life and you're just going along to get along? limping through life or are you hilariously and joyously rushing toward hell with all of your sin you're still stuck you're in the realm of darkness happiness does not mean you're on your way to heaven many people are happily rushing to hell no are you holy have you a pure heart Have you a settled heart that you are leaving behind the sphere of darkness and the world? And are you absolutely committed, sold out for Jesus Christ? Now, most Christians that I talk to today are in the twilight zone. They're not really pagans and they're not really Christians because they've never really heard the true gospel of Jesus Christ. They've heard a false gospel. Have you? That has comforted you in the midst of your sin, and so now you have always to be sinning and repenting, sinning and repenting. Or are you just a pagan person? I said recently to one pagan person, why is the look on your face so sad? Oh, my face is not sad. Oh, yes, your face is sad. And I know why it's sad. Why is my face sad? Because you don't have any Jesus in you. 
Master, I have my own gods. And then she smiled. And then she said, I'm reading my Bible you gave me. One of the members of our church gave me a Bible for her, and so I gave it to her. I said, what are you reading? Well, I'm reading Genesis. Okay. And I turned her over to Jesus to save her soul. The only thing that's keeping that precious woman from being saved is the stubbornness of her own heart because right now she could be set free of everything that puts that frown and bitterness and unhappiness on her face. She does not need to remain in that condition one more moment because the blood of Jesus can set her free. So Paul and Silas at midnight feel the place beginning to rock and roll, shake, dance. The doors pop open, the bonds drop off, the stalks pop open, and the jailer comes rushing. He sees the door open, he takes his sword, he's going to fall on it because he knows he will be tortured to death for the loss of his prisoners. And Paul says, no, no, don't hurt yourself, we're all here. And we find in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, he called for a light, and he sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out of the prison, and he said, What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. This is not just an intellectual agreement about Jesus. This is a decision in the Greek. The word comes from pistis, which means faith. The derivative is faith. Do you understand? We come to Jesus by faith believing that what he says is true. Now, I don't mean to offend you, but many of you have never believed what Jesus has said is true. You have believed that you must remain imprisoned, that you must spend years in misery. You have neglected believing that Jesus has the power to deliver you now from your sin. And then it adds the most important verse. Verse 32. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in the house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he washed their stripes. He baptized. And then he brought them into the house and he fed them dinner. This is probably nearing daybreak by this time. And later the magistrates came and they released Paul and they released Silas. But now I want to do something I didn't do yesterday. I want to walk you through several passages of Scripture that illustrate that what I'm saying out of Paul and Silas is not just a one-time experience. 
There is immediate salvation for you. There is immediate deliverance. Now, if you go to Acts, the second chapter, the prophecy is made by Joel. It shall come to pass in the last day, saith the Lord, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Now, let's be clear. This was applied by Peter to the last days of the Old Covenant. But it surely directly applies from the prophet Joel to the day we live in. And we have a right now to stand by faith that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, that our sons and daughters will prophesy. Can I say something, please, and not be offensive to you? If you want your kids, if you want your children to prophesy, you're going to have to make Jesus number one and not soccer. You're going to have to make Jesus number one and not entertainment and not some pleasant little Sunday school where they do a craft. You're going to have to let them be exposed to the preaching of the word and to the conviction and power of the Holy Spirit. Now he continues. Verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Look, only the power of the Holy Spirit can cause you to stop in your tracks and say, How can I be saved? What must I do? But we must open our heart to the Holy Spirit speaking to us and give up establishing what we would call a regular Christian life based on our experience. Our experience does not tell us what is normal or natural. The scriptures tell us what is normal and natural. And the scriptures say that Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you received the gift of the Holy Spirit? Repent. Be baptized. Receive the Holy Spirit. This is what is taught in the New Testament, particularly in the book of Acts. And verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them 3,000 souls. When was the last time your church added 3,000 people in one day? Never? No, of course not. That's not how church is done in America. We've come up with our own little formula. Thank you very much. Show up once a week. Enjoy the music. Enjoy the inspiration. Enjoy the fellowship. Enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. No conviction of sin. No arrows of the Holy Spirit. If I don't like it, I leave and I find another place. 
That's the model of the American church. An entertainment center, a social center, a not a salvation center where 3,000 people are added in a day. Has that happened at the National Prayer Chap? Not yet, but it's going to. Because I'm crying with my dear brothers and sisters for the fullness of the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to take charge. And we have dropped all church tradition. We have dropped all imaginations about how church should function. We are searching after Jesus with all of our hearts. We are talking to one another. We are preaching the gospel. We are eager for Jesus. Now, 3,000 are added. Now listen to what they did in their in the rest of their week. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. In other words, they started visiting each other's homes. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and And they parted them to all men, as men had need. Verse 47, Praising God and having favor with all the people, the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Church growth strategies can't pull that one off, can they? Mega church strategies can't pull that off. Every day, new people came and joined together with the apostles and with the fellowship. That's normal, regular church life. Anything short of that is not to be recognized and is not to be put up with and accepted. Now, Peter goes up to the temple to pray, and there's a cripple. And you remember the famous silver gold, have I none but such as I have, I give to you. And in verse 19, Paul, speaking to the crowd that gather, says, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, again, Peter is saying, Look, be converted. Be changed, be transformed into a new creature. This is an instantaneous process. We leave our sins. We don't continue to walk in them and struggle with them and agonize over them week after week, month after month, year after year. No, it is done. When we have a settled mind to follow Jesus, Now, if we look at chapter 4, verse 4, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of men was about 5,000. Do the math. We now have 8,120 people in the New Testament church. How's that for church growth? Do you have a strategy you can match with that? No, it's the Holy Spirit. It's Jesus. It's the blood. Now, do they have to mature and grow up? Oh, yes, and that's going to take some time. 
may mean time in the wilderness spiritually. It may mean, no, it will mean time growing up. Paul sent to the wilderness for seven years. But then he was called to Antioch, and there great conversions happened, and great works of God were done. Well, if you look with me at Acts, the eighth chapter, verse 12, but when they believed Philip's preaching, the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. They were baptized. In verse 15, who then they were come down, this is from Jerusalem, for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. They didn't receive the Holy Ghost when they were baptized. It was later as the apostles came and laid hands on them. But they were given the Holy Spirit so that they could have power for ministry. Verse 17, then laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. Now if you look at Acts, the 11th chapter, verse 20. Then some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. And when tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church, which was in Jerusalem, they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came, had seen the grace of God, was glad, exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they should cleave unto the Lord. In other words, they should have a settled mind that their sin is over, that they are going to follow Jesus Christ. And then verse 24 speaking of Barnabas, for he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people were added unto the Lord. Do you want to see much people added unto the Lord? I do. I am sick of this dying church in America. There has to be a change. There has to be a dramatic change. We can't go on living this dying kind of life in the church, walking in our sin, walking in unrighteousness. Now it says that the Apostle Paul spake unto this jailer. What what did he speak? Probably the sixth chapter of the book of Romans. And it opens with, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? This is a natural question for a person who is unsaved, but who has just come to Jesus. And now the question is, what am I going to do about my sin? Well, you're forgiven. Well, what am I going to do tomorrow? Is it okay if I go on sinning in my, in my patterns? And Paul answers, God forbid. No. How shall we that are dead to sin live in it any longer? It is impossible for someone who is truly converted to continue to live in their sin. It cannot be done. Look at verse 3. 
Know ye not that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Look, baptism is not some ritual that we do in a pretty little tank on Sunday morning or a pretty little sprinkling somewhere on Sunday morning. It's a decision we make to forever give up all sin. When you come to Jesus as a sinner, you give up sin that you know is sin now. After you become a Christian, the Holy Spirit will give you more light and will show you more things to give up. You will continue to give these things up because at conversion you made a permanent, unchangeable decision to forever give up all sin, all rebellion against the Most High God. And as a supernatural work of God, you were made into a new creature. Now will you stand in that newness? Now, if the Holy Spirit shows you something to give up and you refuse to give it up, you stall your Christian life and begin to return into the darkness. And let's be honest. Which of us has not gone back to the darkness on occasion? Some of you never gave up your sin, you never gave up your marijuana. You never gave up your alcohol. You never gave up your fornication. You never gave up your pornography. You never gave up your cigarettes. You never gave up your your wild, sporting mindset for the world entertainment. You never gave it up. And so you've never been made fully new in Jesus Christ and you have no power for witness and you've not won anyone to Jesus verse 4 therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the father even so we also should walk in newness of life That is, we have an obligation now to live in the newness that we are in Jesus. Please. If you deny the newness of being in Christ, you return to the devil. Lots of religious people go to church, but they belong to the devil. And the devil doesn't mind that you go to church. It's okay with him. He doesn't even mind if you preach. As long as you have hidden sin, like one pastor I know, he goes back to his study and he sits down and opens the pornography after he's preached. How do I know that? Because some members have walked in on him and found the pornography on his his computer. He's watching it. He's still pastor. Everybody said, well, that's just his weakness. Wrong. That's his sin. And as long as we walk in our sin, there is no victory in Jesus. Jesus modeled for us the process of salvation. He was crucified, he died, and he was raised from the dead. We die to our sin. We are resurrected in righteousness, that is, innocence, without sin. And both are necessary. We must die and we must be resurrected. 
He was delivered. Jesus was delivered for our offenses, our wickedness. And he was raised up again to make us righteous. So we see in the death of Jesus that we have been forgiven of our past sins and his resurrection allows for us to be made into a new person who doesn't continue to walk in sin. We are righteous in reality now. All of your past life, your sin, your your wickedness, yourself, they're all wiped clean and you have a new slate to start over and now you can keep it clean because you're a new person and you can live without sin. Please, if you've been granted the power to live without sin, why would you want to sin? If you've truly been given a new life in Jesus Christ, why would you want to go back to your old wickedness? What has the devil done for you? Come on, be honest. What has the devil ever done for you except get you drunk, make you do wicked things, cause you to have a guilty conscience, take away your joy and your happiness? Has he ever done one good thing for you? No, he hasn't. He's made you miserable. Today, are you willing to come to Jesus Christ and confess your sin and receive him as your Lord and Savior? Are you willing to have a settled mind that you will leave the darkness and enter into Jesus Christ, that you will walk with him? Verse 7 says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. If you have not died with Christ, you have not been resurrected with Christ, and you then are just a part of some institutional organization called a church. But you're a dead man walking. Verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Verse 9, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. Why? Because you're a converted Christian. You can't stop sinning no matter how hard you try until you are converted. You're in a state of spiritual death. Death rules over you. But when you become a converted Christian, this is broken. Death doesn't rule over you anymore. You are brought into the fullness of life. And now you have a testimony. This is what Jesus has done for me. That's why I shared you this, shared with you this testimony that came in on a text. It says, He is our deliverer. He is our deliverer. He has saved me from lying and cheating and drugs. Alcohol, insomnia, depression, selfishness, fornication, cursing, stealing, legalism, homelessness. He saved me. What is your testimony? Do you have that kind of testimony? Or do you have the testimony, you know, I've been trying all my life and I just can't, I just can't get there, Pastor. You can't get there because you've not been converted yet. 
Verse 10, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Conversion is a one-time death. Yes, we die daily, but it's all death to sin, to darkness, to the devil. Just like how Jesus only died one time and now he lives forever, we have to stay as dead men to the world, the flesh, and the devil. We are called to give everything to Jesus and the struggle with sin is over. You are now free to live unto God in innocence and in life. Now I'm going to stop we have time I want to know do you have a testimony of what Jesus Christ has done for you or are you ready to accept your death in Jesus Christ and be born again be converted and be made into a new person are you sick and tired of being sick and tired do you need a change in your life Now, I recognize Pharisees are not going to call. People who are self-satisfied and you've got your little deal going. No, I want to talk to the hungry ones. I want to talk to the people who want Jesus and who need deliverance now, not sometime in the future. You want it now. You want Jesus. Would you call quickly, 877 877- Five three four zero seven eight zero. Either you have a testimony of what Jesus has done for you, not some relic, but actually now, what has Jesus done for you? Or what do you need Jesus to do for you today? I'll be happy to pray with you. Quickly dial eight seven seven five three four zero seven. Eight zero, Do you have the victory today in the name of Jesus Christ? Do you have the victory in Jesus Christ? Are you a new person walking in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus? And what is your testimony? And if you don't have that, would you receive Jesus Christ today and be made new in his likeness? Call quickly, 877-534-0780. Now in verse 11, this is Romans 6, verse 11. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What I want you to hear is that what I'm saying to you today is simply straight out of the Word of God. It's not out of the modern expectations. It's not out of the experience of the modern church. This is the radical, wonderful call of Jesus now to receive his work of grace in your heart and in your life. Call 
call 877-534-0780. I know the Holy Spirit is struggling with you right now. Some of you today want to be set free in Jesus. You're tired of the darkness. You're tired of the drugging and the alcohol. You're tired of the fornication. You're tired of being proud and angry and separate. And some of you have incredible testimonies of what Jesus has done. Those will only encourage others. Jamal, any phone calls coming in? Jamal, can you hear me? Mr. Producer, are you there? I think Mr. Producer must be taking a phone call. Call quickly, 877-534-0780. Our producer today is Jamal. And can you hear me, Jamal? Good. Putting God on. Thank you. Jamal is gone, and we have Brother Kevin back. Welcome, Nigat. What What would be your testimony today? Hi, Pastor Ray. Hi. Uh, the, Lord, <laughs> the Lord is sending me to the Philippines. My expenses paid in full by God's children. So that's the, the miracle. <laughs> awesome. When do you leave? In October. Okay. October the the end of October for 12 days. Okay, and what has Jesus done for you, Nigat? Well, my nephew, Ali, he's been having a, asking a lot of questions about Jesus, and um, it's almost as if he wants to fight with me, but I, I try not to fight. So I've given him a lot of material to read about who Jesus is, and I asked him at the end, you know, can I pray for you at least? that the Lord will guide you. And he said, no, nah, it's okay, I'm fine. But that was two months ago. And just over the weekend, I saw him, and, and um, my sister-in-law complained. It said that he had a complaint about his workplace, and he's going to college. And, and um, I approached him, and I said, can I pray for you? And he said, yes. And I, I wanted to make sure I heard right. And I said, so you're asking me to pray for you? Is that okay? He said, yes. And, and so I just prayed for the Lord to guide him and, and give him direction in his life. and in his Because he's a college student and working part-time. And it's just amazing because a couple of months ago, he was like almost fighting about who Jesus is and why did he allow so many innocent people, you know, getting killed. And all this stuff's happening in the world with where people are just coming out and bombing everybody, and, and he just was asking all those questions, and I don't have all of the answers, but I gave him a lot of material, and, and he actually let me pray for him, and so I'm just asking if you can pray for Ali, um, that God will just uh, soften his heart, and he'll just find the love for him. Let's pray right now. 
Lord, I lift Ali up to you now in the name of Jesus, and I ask that this testimony that God is bearing will bring forth a conversion in his heart, that he will turn totally to you, Jesus, that he will be made into a new creature in you. I pray, Lord, that you will deliver him from his own sin. I pray, Lord, that you will convert him today. And, Lord, I thank you for Nigat's testimony to him and sharing the gospel with him. And I thank you that she prays for him. Lord, let her see now the fruit born out of her prayers and her testimony to encourage him than to reach out to the next person. Lord, thank you. I pray in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, Nigat. God bless you. God bless you. Bye-bye. 877-534-0780. Will you today be bold enough to say, I need Jesus. I am ready to be converted and changed. I need to be delivered. By his precious blood, I need to be delivered. I'm tired of the same old, same old. Quickly call 877-534-0780. Nigot did not share it. But she has a wonderful testimony of God's grace as he has saved her gloriously and brought her into his kingdom of light. And she is constantly, every time I speak with her, speaking about the person she's now praying for, that she's struggling in the spirit for their salvation. I rejoice in that kind of commitment to Jesus, in the fruit-bearing for Jesus. (laughs) Mr. Producer, any other calls coming? Lord Jesus, I know you told me to open the phone lines today for someone who needs to call. I'm praying now that you will move in that person or person's heart to cause them to reach out and dial that phone number. Lord, would you prompt them, call them, You've already been moving in their heart as they've heard the word today. Would you now move in them to make that final decision and say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I will settle it with you today. I will leave my sin. Lord, we wait for that call. And Lord, thank you for those who have a testimony of glorious deliverance. I pray your blessing for your people today. I pray for the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to come upon the Church of Washington, D.C. I pray that you will encourage pastors and people who hunger earnestly after Jesus. I pray that you will send forth your Holy Spirit anointing to all of the pastors and churches in this city who are hungering after you. Lord, let it be so now. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Mr. Producer, how much time do we have left in our broadcast today? 
Okay, we have nine minutes. We have time for you to call. 877-534-0780 Have you understood this message? Do you see that it comes straight from Scripture? If you look at Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. In other words, in your body, in your physical body that you're living in right now, When you're born again, you have the power to not let sin rule your physical body anymore. Your body is no longer trapped into sin that you can't stop doing. Whether it be alcohol or drugs, whatever it is that has captured your heart, you can be free. You don't have to continue cutting yourself or, or thinking about suicide or constantly shopping and overspending, lusting after food, masturbation, sex outside of marriage, whatever it is that's captured your heart. You don't have to continue in that anymore. See, God is holy. And he commands his people to be holy. And by that he means we are to be set apart for Jesus alone. We are to be made pure in heart and free from sin. Now there's one other passage of scripture I want to share before I forget. In the 15th chapter of the book of Acts, An argument came up in the church about whether we're saved by works, like circumcision and keeping the Jewish holidays. All of that came up. And the fight was so bitter that the apostles and elders in the Jerusalem church came together to consider the matter. And in the the 14th chapter... Is it 14? No, it's in the 15th chapter, verse 7. And when they had been, and when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said unto them, Men and brethren, ye know how that a good while ago, a good while ago, God made the choice among us that the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. And God which knoweth the hearts bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us. And he put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. The sign of the Holy Ghost is not simply, as some would say, speaking in a foreign tongue or in a prayer language. That is spoken of in the scripture, but that is not what the apostles determined to be the sign that the Holy Spirit had been granted. Instead, the sign of the Holy Spirit was purifying their hearts by faith. A clean heart, a pure heart, being converted. 
So the Apostle Paul is saying in Romans 6.13, Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God. Not just when you feel like it, people. Not just when it's agreeable to you. No. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So after you're born again, you have the choice of what to do with your body. Yielding is the opposite of working. It's about what influence you put your physical body under. So now that you're born again and are alive from the dead, don't go back to sin anymore. Let your physical body be used for righteous service of God, like praying, helping people in need, giving to the poor, sharing the gospel, serving at the church, doing the work that Jesus tells us to do. It could even be writing on a Christian webpage, or street preaching, or mission work, or teaching children or working to stop abortion. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Grace frees us from sin. Verse 16, Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey his servants, ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death, or of obedience unto righteousness. Once you make the choice to yield yourself to sin, you're its servants, and you can't get out of your own, get out of it on your own. You can't break the power of sin on your own. This is something that only Jesus can do for you. And once you make the choice to give yourself to Jesus in obedience to God, you can trust that God will keep you clean. Jude 24. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. This is what Jesus will give to us. Almighty God, what incredible gifts you have for those who will come and with a settled mind allow you to cleanse and purify who will allow you to crucify us and transform us into new creatures. Jesus, please come. Holy Spirit, please come in this city. For Lord, my preaching will have no power and will accomplish nothing. And I will no longer be on the air on radio with this broadcast. If you do not come and move with power in the hearts of your people, I plead now. For your Holy Spirit to come. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. We're close now to the end of the month of July. We're still just over a thousand dollars short on radio on the bill to WAVA. Would you go to our webpage? Would you help us cover this bill with a hilarious gift? It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be able to participate in the work of the gospel. I'm giving you that opportunity. 
go to nationalprayerchapel.com and just click on that icon, Donate. And you'll be able to donate with your credit card, and it will come immediately to the National Prayer Chapel. Every penny you give will go straight to cover the radio bill. Now, you're also welcome to send a check, a money order, cash. Send it to the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Now, every Tuesday night and every Sunday afternoon at 12, we meet at the All Saints Anglican Church. You're welcome to come on Tuesday night and on Sunday. Tuesday evening, we begin prayer at 7.30. We're located at the All Saints Anglican Church at 14851 Gideon Drive. It's right next to the Hilton Memorial Event Center. 14851 Gideon Drive, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. For this service on Tuesday evening, come in from the upstairs where the mailbox is to the office door, and we will be in the conference room. You're also welcome to come on Sunday. Drive around to the back side of the church building and there you'll see a large white sign that will say lower lobby. Come in and you'll find the worship center immediately on your left-hand side. If you're hungry for Jesus and you want to get right with him, then please come. Get right with Jesus. Be transformed into a new creature. And worship Jesus with all your heart be made clean and whole. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I love you in the name of Jesus. I'll talk to you soon.